one of the first positive memories I ever had of deer hunting was going to the check station. And um, if you're too young to remember this, back in the day, most states had it where you had to check your deer in. So if you shot a deer, you had to tag it before you did anything else. And then you had a certain amount of time. And here uh, where I hunted in gun season, you had like a week, but most people did it way earlier than that. And back then, most guns, our gun season always came in the Saturday before gun season. uh, I'm sorry, the Saturday before Thanksgiving, same as today. But it was always colder. And um, for me, it seems like it was always freezing buck poles with deer hanging from them, frozen deer carcasses. Anyways, one of my very first memories was we were in hunting in northern Wisconsin, and it was a rite of passage, number one, to go to deer camp, but um, to go to the check station. So I'm, you know, a teenager, and we pull up to the check station, normally at a gas station or, you know, a convenience store, something like that, and hanging around the check station was a big thing because like it, it if somebody brought in a buck i mean you didn't see bucks very often and you would you just kind of as a kid you would just kind of blend into the background and guys would tell their story how they got their deer and it was just um it was very special it was a very special way of um getting involved in the community and learning about hunting and hearing stories from other guys to me that was to me that's something that I'll never forget so Ian Sanchez my crack producer here and I are going to talk about that today here on Deer Talk now thank you for joining us by the way um we're going to talk about the the positive hunting experience because Ian has got a couple seasons under his belt now and he's learning that especially in today's age and I don't know why that is, Ian, but it just seems that there's so neg- so much negativity out there. Uh, sur- I mean, not from anti-hunters, not from non-hunters, but from the hunting community in general. Right. Some of our own people, the people that we should, you know, that should be supporting uh, us. I think uh, obvious answer is social media and just the amount of connection that we all have with each other is that's like the main focus of today's topic is like there is no greater evil and greater good in the hunting community than the ability uh, to connect through social media. It is something that I find fascinating, disturbing, (laughs) um, all at the same time, because I've seen both sides of the mountain. I I was like, when I grew up, it was, and this isn't that long, I'm not that old, (laughs) Um, or am I? But um, we didn't have any of that. We, We didn't have like... So something that you haven't experienced, you didn't, you've never experienced a check station, have you? No. So like probably the closest is like when we go to Nebraska. Yeah. Because when we go to Nebraska, you still have to check your deer. There's that bar like it, that has the guy outside. It's the best yeah. place in the world. There's like old pap signs all on the, the pickup wall. trucks are backed up, and they got all their you know antlers hanging out the tailgates. It's it's pretty special. So what you've seen there, um, and they still do it, and they take CWD uh, tissue samples there. And that's why they do it. But um, what you see there is just a very small taste of what we used to have. Now, can you imagine 
if you were, and I, I know uh, it sounds like a broken record, but if you were to hunt Pennsylvania or New York or Michigan or Wisconsin back in the day, now I'm talking 20, 30 years ago, you'd go to a check station. They're literally like packed with pickup trucks, cars, deer hanging from the tops of cars, shoved into minivans, and everybody standing around waiting to get their deer checked in. But it wasn't like, we didn't hate it. It was like, it was like going to church. And I don't mean to say that sacrilegiously, but it, it was like, oh, there's a guy I've never seen before, or there's somebody I haven't seen in 10 years, or, or whatever. And then you share the stories. Yeah. And everybody, for the most part, I can think of a couple instances where guys were jerks, but for the most part, it didn't matter what you shot. You got your buck. Congratulations, man. You know, and then they would ask you the story. And you'd sit there all proud as a peacock to tell the story. Um, that's how it was. Mm-hmm. Um, today, that's all extracted with the elimination of check stations. And people say, well, why have they done that? Because A, uh, funding, and B, there's nobody there anymore. Like states have gutted their agencies to the point where they don't collect that. What they used to do is collect data, and it was highly accurate. And we could go off on topic on that. But um the main reason for check stations were, um, now I don't want to get too geeky, but you, do you remember the sex age kill formula? That's what they used to do to model deer populations. So what they would do is they would check in how many bucks, how many does, you know, they come up with that number and it was very accurate. But that was back when the preponderance of the hunters um, would shoot any buck that they saw. And it was much easier to manage a uh, statistically a deer herd that way with qdm and things like that that's kind of wrecked that modeling program um that's one aspect the other aspect is like i said states states have basically when you used to have dozens of deer biologists in states we don't have that anymore so that data that they had um is lost but the other thing that i've always you know as a business owner now I guess with as gas stations have become so corporately owned, if I was an independent guy, I would hire some high school kid, you know, to to run that check station today because I know it's going to bring more money into that business. Um, or if I was like a whatever, if I was an archery shop owner or something, um, I would want that. And now I know maybe some some people listening to this will give me a a counter argument to that but something uh, we're not seeing or that we're some, not seeing yeah. but i can't imagine having you know a thousand guys and gals pull into your business on a saturday to register their deer is not going to somehow generate more money it, it has to it almost has to you're going to buy a candy bar or whatever co- coffee ex- get some gas whatever um anyways uh but that is uh that's where we were today that access with online and you see it every day with everything that you do. You do all the videos for us. You see the negativity. How does that, um, number one, what are your thoughts on it and how does it affect you as a hunter? You know, I think, honestly, I'm, I'm going to take it back a step here and I'm going to talk about, like, where did we, how did we even get to the point where it, like, people felt the need to, like, take the experience away or, or alter the uh, the hunting experience online in any any way at all and i think it starts with the archery forums in like 2004 and 5 and 6 like i'm very young but i i can still go on the internet and the internet lasts forever and i'm i'm finding these 
old, old forums, these old websites where guys are getting in rather heated debates over expandable or fixed blade or crossbows or compounds. And it's creating separation in our own community. And I think some of the, some of the aside from just the behavior of grown adults and, and how they handle um, comments on social media and how they dish out comments on social media, I think that that could turn a hunter off pretty quickly. I've, I've had a few instances where I myself have seen negativity and, and it, it just puts a sour taste in your mouth. You're like, that's not what this is about. This wasn't supposed to be a competition or a, or a, a means to just get attention. I agree with you. Um, and that actually, that's a good point. Now, I'm not, bow hunting is my favorite thing to do. I love to bow hunt. Um, anybody who's listened to this podcast or watches podcast knows I love to also hunt with a crossbow. I do it all. Um, but I've also, um, I've also learned to accept everybody. I, I mean, everybody. Because as a bow hunter, we are such a small minority. Nine million whitetail hunters three million of those are bow hunters that's it there's six million gun hunters out there who basically those are the i'm not sitting there trying to pick a fight but those are the real guys those are the guys that are like they sit there and shake their head and like look at these silly bozos fighting amongst each other i'm gonna go out and kill my deer uh for the most part you know there's guys yeah there's there's bad people on all things but if you go back to the the very start of the internet and for us at Deer and Deer Hunting, that was up in 1995 when it was just this like... Is that dial-up? <laughs> pretty close. We're on the World Wide Web. We <laughs> thought it was like the coolest thing. You can send an email. <laughs> you know, you, I, can, <laughs> I can have a conversation with Ian three states away over email, you know. and But we had the, the forums. And I remember, you guys know, if you're listening to this and you've been a fan for a long time, you know what I'm talking about. You, We got some of these holier-than-thou bow hunters on there who were just bullies. Now, I'm not just saying it's the bow hunters. You got, you got guys on who have an agenda. Everybody has an agenda, but I think some people are more pure with their intent. Um, and, and it's just like they sit there and they bully um, a new hunter, a guy who's hunting with a crossbow, somebody's hunting with a rifle. And now I see it in social media, uh, especially, um, that it's just gotten nasty. Like where, and it's taken some of that fun, that the positivity out of it. Um, that's one thing. And we're going to go on some of these topics, but um, you know, when you when you got somebody talking about, like, well, why'd you shoot that buck? Or, you know, why didn't you pass him up? And it's like, do you even know my situation? I'm talking as a, as the general hunter. Like, if I'm the general hunter who's... Do you even know the guy's situation? Maybe he hunts nine acres. You know, maybe he only has got three days to hunt. Right, blue-collar guy. Not even a blue-collar guy. Maybe, maybe the guy's working so much and he's got three kids at home and he, he just doesn't have time. Right. Um, and it's like, oh, you should have gave that deer... Like, what, you know the video that you just posted the other day was... We we had the picture or the video of the buck walking in, and then you stopped it. Yeah, the shot and, placement. And then, where yeah, should you aim? Where should you aim? A, B, or C? And the first comment was from a guy who said, "I'm aiming for another two years." Right. 
it's like okay so why did you personally feel the need like that's see that's your style of hunting why why is it that there's this my way is the only right way mentality that's so popular in the hunting community and i'm not saying that to like I'm, i feel like i'm always every time i come on the podcast i'm very like i'm talking about a very negative subject but it, this is one of those things that just really pulls at the new hunter the like the the brand spanking new as you say, apple cheeks, like youngin that comes into the game wanting to shoot deer and they see all these other young guys on the internet doing it, adventuring, traveling and shooting their bows. And, and then they get comments like that or, or and then they, they feel like the need to hold out for two, like, no, shoot whatever makes you happy. That's that's that guy's opinion. That's how he wants to do well, it. So how does that affect you? Because like, like I said, you're coming at this with fresh eyes. Right. Um, do, do you feel, I mean, and I know that their intent is to make you feel like insecure or it's, it's kind of hard for me to say dan because i have i have you i have brad i have the whole team here to kind of i have this kind of understanding going into this already that people are going to be like this with the intention to make you upset to troll you to to really just you know push you to be mad and i i understand that i think though if i didn't have that understanding initially this would it would just it would feel like gatekeeping. It'd feel like there's a lot of gatekeeping in this community and it would make me very isolated in it. So, and I, I see that with a lot of people. They just like, I shoot my deer and I don't tell anyone about it. I don't post about it. I don't, I might text my dad. You see, know? That's what I like about your your view on this because like the way I say fresh eyes is that that I want to speak to anybody who's listening to this because um, you're right. Like, you know, Unless unless you're a hunter who has a dad or a grandpa or an uncle or somebody who has that experience that can help you, if you're in this fresh by yourself, I guess the overriding message needs to be um, you can't, and it's easy for us to say, but don't listen to that. And this transcends hunting. It goes to all sorts of things on social media because people are trying to feed on your insecurities. Right. And I think it is basically rooted out of uh, jealousy. It's rooted out of their own insecurities, and it's rooted out of, you know, just being not happy people. Right. It's greed and jealousy and then the need to to show that they're doing better than they actually are. And I'm sure there's an easier way to word that. But, but like, with, with everyone, I mean, you're not getting what you actually see in real life. Like, that's, it's, you know, it's different. So, you know, another thing that, that which bring it's, it's the same topic, but... Um, I think what we have today, obviously, the technology that we have today, the communication abilities that we have today is way better than we've ever had before. Um, I don't want to go back to the days of shooting a bow with my fingers and full-length arrows and (laughs) maybe being accurate at 20 yards and shooting like, you know, 200 feet per second. No, I don't want that. But um, I think with, with all the good things that we have, it does make things harder. I think, um, is it easier to kill a deer today than it was, say, in 1980? Yes. Um, number one, we have more deer, um, for the most part, everywhere. Number two, we have better equipment, and we have better knowledge. I mean, deer and deer hunting has been at the forefront of that as far as knowledge. Like, we know more about deer today than, I think, well, well the, I should say the knowledge base is there. The interesting part about that, though, that I find... <clears throat> is even though we have that knowledge 
I do believe that some of this technology we have, especially with the internet, has really dumbed people down a lot um, who should know better and who people who are fresh to it simply don't know. Um, and that's where some of those um, earlier references will help. We talk about Lenny Rue's books all the time, and people say, oh, he was some old guy. He was way ahead of his time. So I would say um, uh, uh, learning about that stuff, but then also using within um, – you got to hunt – I always said you got you to gotta let the deer show you how to hunt them. So stop looking at your phone and start getting your – your feet out into the woods because that's where you're really going to learn more about the actual hunting experience and then allowing that experience to fill you with what it's supposed to fill you with right with is with good good positive vibes it's so easy to take advice from a self-proclaimed expert and and take it to be true and i think with anyone's ability to just go hit create a channel or create a page or whatever on instagram and and call themselves such and such outdoors with yeah. such and such as the ho- you know yeah. whatever it is. I'm not picking on anyone no, in particular. No, I'm just saying no. there's there's a lot of people out there who who put themselves on this pedestal and without actually giving any credit or citing any yeah. any factual evidence that they are a source that we should be listening to. And I think um, social media has definitely given people that entitlement to be a self-proclaimed expert. No, that, that is true. Um, I can't say it on the air, but it's, uh, any, any swinging beard with a, with a laptop and a, with a DSLR and a and, dream. And, yeah, can be an expert. Um, okay. So everyone is an expert. That's fine. Whatever it, it, you know, let people have their fun, but as far as keeping it, um, positive for yourself enjoy enjoy the entertainment value of it glean what you can as far as tips and tactics but then try to put that aside and try to turn that phone off when you go out hunting because that's when you're like i said that's not only when you're going to learn how to hunt it's also when you're going to learn how to enjoy it um but you know i think the other thing, too, is um, let's say you don't own land, you don't have a lease, you don't have access. Um, public land hunting is doable. Not as doable as a lot of people proclaim, and I know that that's another shtick out there, and I'm not bashing on anybody. It's definitely doable, especially if you're young and you've got the vigor and um, the uh, perseverance but that's when you really learn how to hunt. If you can hunt, you know, uh, public lands in those big states with those big populations or in the south um, successfully, then you really know you're on the you're on the fast track to success. Um, and it's not easy. It's not easy. I would say the mapping apps that we have are fabulous. But um, I think I talked about this before on this program, but... We used to have just maps, like uh, aerial photos and stuff. And we would have guys, and I can I could name them. I'm not going to. Very well-intentioned hunters, but they would sit there and pour over those maps and say, oh, man, here's a funnel. I know this is where that buck's going to come through. And it's like, you're not going to know until you hunt it. And that's how public land is. And then there's you got all the other variables of like, oh, I didn't realize that there was an old fence in here. Or, oh, I didn't realize that there's actually a walking trail here that people use all the time with their dogs. So there's certain things that you have to learn that way. But, um, 
it's definitely doable um and it's harder but that's something where you really have to have a, a very positive backbone to be able to be successful with it Deer Talk Now is brought to you by Mossberg. Mossberg has been supplying American hunters with quality firearms for over 100 years. Over the years, they've upheld their commitment to innovation by creating a handful of firearms that have shaped the way we hunt today. For more information, visit Mossberg.com. So being that, you know, everyone can go on the internet and communicate, you know, new techniques and tools and tactics they want to, and, and opinions on certain matters in the hunting community. Being that that's, you know, possible, who should like the, the new guy listen to where, cause when I, when I look at this, the first thing I like, if I was to get into anything, whether it be hunting or fishing or whatever, the first thing I'm going to do is, is I'm just going to go on YouTube and look up uh, fishing compilation, mm-hmm. hunting compilation. And I'm going to see, like 25 kills in 25 minutes or mm-hmm. something those are the that's the first thing that a hunter a brand new hunter or a fisher whatever is going to see is they're going to see like the most viral sensational videos out there so when we put ourselves i'm not saying we're the, the greatest i'm not saying we're the worst i'm just saying that we have a presence in the deer hunting community in which we influence a lot of people and we we post a lot of biology stuff we post a lot of uh, white tail behavioral stuff aside from ourselves like I, I, without you know because I, I would self-promote and i would say mm-hmm. you should go to deer and deer hunting right. you should come to us to yeah. see all this who could some of these young guys go out there like well, who are these some of the older guys that you would want to there's some way? great guys out there um and some new guys too that you would recommend right um th- uh mark canyon actually is a younger guy who's very very good yeah um, I actually, he was actually, he worked with us when he was in college. Um, uh, he's got the wired, uh, hunt deal. Um, very, very smart. There's, there's other guys like, uh, Dan Infault is a great hunter. I've watched his stuff. Yeah. Um, Shane Simpson. I'm going to throw him Shane Simpson's like the best. He is on that dude. That dude could kill a deer in a Kmart parking lot. I mean, <laughs> a Kmart doesn't even exist anymore. That's he, how okay, good he is. that's a bad exa- that's a bad example. He at a Costco parking lot. Um, he knows how to kill deer and turkeys. Those are the types of guys that I look to. Like, um, there's other uh, Jeff Sturgis. He's a he's a land management guy, but he's a good hunter. Yeah, I mean, now I, I can't mention Steve because he's part of us. But Steve Steve Bartella, he was killing big bucks on public land. You know. Greg Miller, uh, he doesn't yep. do, do as much anymore um, content-wise, but if you could get his books, which are still available, Hell Blood um, from the Northeast, and I, forgive me if, if Hell and your buddies are watching this. I can't remember if Hell's out of, like, Maine or Vermont, but he's a, one heck of a, a tracker, but not only a tracker, a good woodsman. There, You're going to find guys like that, and you're even going to find some of these younger guys, and I can't... Uh, give you a name off the top of my or the tip of my tongue here but um most of those people um today that i've been seeing on youtube and other places uh once they get a following then you see like okay it's joe blow outdoors and, and things which is fine they they come up with their own name but most of these guys are just putting out like youtube videos of like and and you you go through and it's not polished and it's not edited but it's good it's good hunting information it's raw it's raw the hunting public guys are good I mean, they're good. Um, they're 
but the thing is, is most of the, I shouldn't say most, they're very good at finding places where they know they can be successful. And that is, that's very valuable. They pin it down. Very sure. valuable. Um, but as far as other ones, I just normally go down rabbit holes when I'm, when I'm on YouTube. And if I see a video that it's more than just a guy, like you said, just, just the shot, you see a lot of that, which is cool. I mean, it's entertainment value of seeing a guy making a good shot right. on a deer. But there's there's people out there who are um, actually putting out some good content. I'm going to shout out one channel, if, if I may. Um, and I, I think it's just like if you're if you're actively looking to get excited about it, Deer Society. Yes. A lot of people don't talk about that, but Deer Society posts like excellent stories. And then another one that's just so unique, Mike from Drone Deer Recovery. I yeah. mean, th- those stories are He's fantastic. Good. There's so many good stories. You want to learn how to trail, watch <laughs> his channel. Yeah. Because um, that's the other thing too. Like some of the older guys, I'll get to that in a minute, but like, let's just stay on Mike for a minute. Yeah. Um, and Shane's uh, Cali Chronicles, have you ever watched that? Yeah, with his dog. With his dog. Blue tick collar. Um, when you look at that, especially uh, on his and and Mike's when he's showing the the overhead of the, you can really learn a lot about deer behavior, wounded deer behavior on those. That's critical because I said a, a lot of today uh, when people say, "Oh, I lost my deer," you you didn't, well, you didn't really lose it. You just didn't find it. You know what I mean? There's a difference. There's a difference between shooting a deer and oh, it you know it got away. It didn't get away. Woodsmanship in blood trailing is difficult. I mean, it is like, and you see it on those guys' videos. Shane's especially with uh, with his dog when he's 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 a blood trailer, so he um, he'll put it. He's got a trained bloodhound that goes after him, and then he'll take he'll peel back and he'll show you the actual gps lines of where that dog went and how that deer went and i've i've looked at those videos and it's brought back so many memories for me i used to keep log books of all my blood trails <laughs> and you would not believe how much that teaches you about the the habitat because those deer are running toward bedding areas yeah they're running towards places where they don't get bothered and then when you put all that information after years and years and years of shooting deer i mean i'm not saying this to brag i'm just using it as a point for 20 years, I shot double digits with my bow, and I kept I kept details of it, every single blood trail. And then after, uh, you say, four, five, six years of, of doing that, I've noticed patterns of where those deer ran, especially the ones that didn't die right away. And then I learned when I went back in postseason scouting, I learned, oh, you know, there's an oak ridge in here that I didn't know about. Or, or this is, they're actually going in here because nobody can access this because there's no hunting, you know? Right. I, some of the stuff I was doing was in a uh, blood trailing legally in a state park, not with my weapon, but going in there and learning. And you can learn that from uh, a lot of these videos that you watch. Right. There's so many different, you know, <clears throat> sources and uh, avenues of media for new hunters to go down and, and, and just learn as much as they possibly can. To kind of throw us back on to the, the main subject of creating a positive hunting experience, kids have cell phones in their hands way too early. I, You probably got your first phone like in, in my 40s. 40, okay, so yeah. I got mine in like, I was like 10. And that was for safety. It was just a little, you know, mm-hmm. like call me if you need anything kind of phone. But still the point is, is that kids now 
are nine, eight, and they have iPhones in their hands. And they're hunting with their dads or their dad near their mom or whoever might take them out hunting uh, like as, as early as possible to get them involved in it. And these kids are seeing like all these, you know, ways that people should be talking or acting or treating each other in the hunting community. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of scary to, don't you think, to just kind of see the future generation of hunters being influenced so fast, so quickly that you can't kind of get a grasp on it. What would you, what would you recommend to any parents out there or just anyone out there who is trying to pursue a interest in it or, or just get a younger person to pursue an interest in hunting? It's an excellent question, and it's a difficult uh, one to answer, and everybody is different. It's a loaded Um, question. I mean, it's it's a loaded question, and there is no right way to do it. I'm just going to give you some examples of what I think can help. Um, And like I said, this isn't going to be for everybody, but um, if you have, let's just say you're the mentor and you have a child or, you know, a young adult, you can't just say I'm taking that phone from you, and you're not. They're not gonna. It, it, it is. It's a powerful drug. I, I. You know me. I have this thing on my hands all day long now. Um, sending me Instagram memes. Yeah, like sending you Family Guy clips. Yeah, it's like at four in the morning. <laughs> oh, I, Ian's probably sleeping. I shouldn't have sent that. Um, but it, it's a powerful thing. And to say we're going hunting, you you shouldn't have that. You should experience the outdoors for what it is. Although valiant. Um, it's not, it's not practical. Um, the, the biggest thing is once you get out there and and I've done this with numerous people, um, including my, my own kids when, when I've taken them hunting is, you know, allow that to be present, but also use every chance you can to have a teaching experience, um, which might sound boring at the, you know, that's a shag bark hickory. That is a silver maple. The difference between a silver maple and a hard maple is this. And what I always thought, um, this goes back to Jack Brower, and it was what he told me with deer and deer hunting. He said, always try to teach somebody something every day. And I've tried to use that just in raising my kids and, and bringing people into hunting. But it would be like, um, you know, they, they might ask a simple question. Why do bucks rub their antlers on trees? You know, this or that. And it's like, okay, if I can. And then you plant that seed, but it takes time. To, to take effect and um, to get them, I know this is my long-winded way of answering things, but to get them excited, especially like in a turkey blind. I remember when my kids were little, I downloaded some like Disney princess thing, like game and say, here, play this for a while. And then when a turkey gobble, okay, give me the phone. And now we're going to, we're going to see if this turkey comes in. Right. And then that leads up to longer sits, more, less time, screen time, um, I'm just talking about being out there in the blind and then doing other things outside of hunting. The other thing I wanted to mention was, um, and we talk about this a lot, but make that experience a positive experience. And, and that means like I would bring Orange Crush, you know, <laughs> never bought it otherwise, but you got an Orange Crush if you went hunting. Um, you got some of those little Haribo uh, gummies, gummy bears, gummy yeah. bears um, things like that. And, and by all means, just not focusing on the result focusing on just trying to spend a little more time out there every single time it's difficult and i know other guys that have that other guys who are diehard whitetail hunters who have sons who have, who wanted them to take it up it's kind of like the dad with little league you know the dad who's trying to live through his kid as a baseball player right 
he, the kid might do it for a few years and then he loses interest. But let's say the kid loses interest and never hunts again. Well, he at least had those couple years. But other ones I've seen, especially, and you know people close to us, who took their kids hunting at a young age, did some of these things. The kids went off to college, did their own things, moved to bigger cities, um, all that kind of stuff. And then lo and behold, 28 years old, 30 years old, they come back. Yep. And that's, I mean, I will say with great certainty, it's the same thing with religion. It's the same thing with um, interests. It's something that is a life skill hunting is. And if anything, if they don't hunt, uh, they at least have an appreciation of it. Um, Without getting too far off, I mean, I totally agree. And and I don't want to stray too far away here, but like you get a taste of that need, that desire, that will that we all naturally have. And, And that's why I kind of like that you reference religion, because regardless of whether or not you want to be a part of it, that need and that desire will always be there with you to search for answers. And I think when people got a taste of of that natural lifestyle of, of being able to live off of the land and being able to connect with nature and, and touch grass and, and get outside people, people want to go back to that, especially when they're older and they're, they're kind of sitting there contemplating, man, what if I, you know, my twenties were cool, but what am I doing now? I want to go back outside. I remember deer hunting. I remember sitting in the, in the blind with my dad. I remember, you know, being excited to to get a deer and stuff like that and i've i've seen it in you i mean you've you've taken a bow hunting and now you've shot what how many two Mm -hmm. and and with each experience i mean i see how excited you get not only with the hunt but now you want to be out there with like scouting and you want i mean not that you didn't before but i can see that that's building right and also like you're bringing home this meat and ian is a, if you guys don't know he's a great cook so it's like you're like looking at different ways how to prepare it and like pairing the taste with things so that act that builds that whole thing and maybe you know i don't think it's going to happen with you but maybe with somebody else maybe that's just a short chapter in their life maybe that's something they do and they're like eh, you know it was cool but i, I but i think the the um for hunting's future we've talked about this for decades the hunting's future yes we want to always try to recruit more hunters but the hunting's future is to educate people non-hunters to the benefits of hunting number one for wildlife management um and land management and then the natural protein acquisition and that's it. I mean, basically, that's it. So I'm going to throw a number three in there, if I may. And, and, and I'm just going to say on top of that, the gravity of the, the, the situation, the, the gravity yeah. of the situation, the weight that it carries when you take an animal's life and what you're doing. And because, and you know, social media, people like to, just, oh, you smoked them. And it's like, yeah, you great shot. You did smoke them. But like that was that was a fantastic shot. You smoked them. But that that deer is going to that's going to take you further than you could have ever imagined body, mind, soul. Like that's going to nourish your family. That's going to, the memory is going to last with you forever. And that's something that also needs to be made clear to everyone. Yeah. And the other, the other one is I've sent you these two that it's reality. Yeah. So like we, we, I respond to a lot of anti hunters. I know I shouldn't, but I do. Um, They'll have a comment like, Oh, that deer suffered. I'm like, well, it didn't suffer as much as the, as the chicken that was, you know, yeah. 
mass process and I'm have nothing against it. I raise my own chickens, but it's like this is real, you yep. know. Yeah, and it, watch nature is metal if you want to watch another, yeah. another YouTube video uh, channel. Nature is metal. That's just about nature being raw in its like truest a, like form. Like a hip. Like we had this one yesterday. It was uh, <laughs> oh, this, some. Did you see that when somebody posted a meme about um, how a hippopotamus was much more uh, noble animal than a lion because a lion ate meat and the, the hippo was a vegetarian? And I'm like. Well, actually, here's a video for you of a hippo eating a zebra live. Yeah. yeah. You know, na- nature is Hippos metal. Are deadlier than sharks, and you can you cannot change my mind on that. And hunting <laughs> hunting is, I don't care what anybody says, hunting is the most humane and natural way to achieve the protein that we all have to have. Right. So we're so, we're not going yeah, to so, so, go, we're not going to go. So just this. to conclude there with you know that with what you said one. To educate as many hunters as possible. Our goal to create that positive hunting experience is like a four-step process. One, educate as many hunters as possible. Two, educate them on the protein, on the meat, on on the value that they get out of it. Three, the gravity of the situation. And four, what you just said. That's excellent. I mean, and um, and th- and that's what it's educate, educate, educate. Not just yep. on, not trying to justify your ex your your existence as a hunter just on the natural world i agree with that 100 percent. yep totally okay did we hit do we uh miss a topic i think i think i'm gonna no we we nailed everything uh, everything i know and and if anybody's listening to this or i hope you are um (laughs) watching this type the questions in the comment section because what ian does is he compiles those and then we we use those in future podcasts so if there's a topic within this topic that you want to talk about let's talk about it if we didn't touch on something uh, in particular that you wanted to hear more about we want to know about that yeah absolutely yeah. and then give us what what is your um what makes hunting positive for you and right. what what can we what can we as a community do to embrace those types of uh, um, actions or lifestyles so to conclude what should determine whether or not you have a good hunting experience and this is i'm, I'm not saying that there's a hmm. wrong answer or a right yeah. answer but there is a there is a general area that you should lean into with this. The general thing. area, what determines if you have a hunt, a positive hunting experiences, experience out in a single day or whatever, is that you're having fun. You know, yeah. You're putting. You're not. You're not hunting for somebody else. You're not shooting a deer for somebody else. You're certainly not doing it for social media. Yeah. You're not shooting something or whatever to post it on Instagram. You're doing it because you want to get out there and connect with nature. And um, I know that might sound sappy, but it's true. You want to connect and, you know, you want to experience the sunrise. It's all that flowery stuff that we talk about. But also, ultimately, you know, you're out there to, you know, okay, experience that and then hopefully bring home some protein for yourself that or in your family. Or, um, you know, I know a lot of people who, who love doing it as a way of um, charity. Like they, they might take a little bit, but they're like, I'm not going to eat, you know, a hundred pounds of venison. So I'm going to, I'm going to give some to the Paul's pantry in green Bay. That's a local one here in Wisconsin. Um, they donate tens of thousands of pounds of, of meat to homeless shelters. Um, there's all sorts of things like that. But anyways, to answer your question for me personally, or, or for what I would talking to somebody who's asking me why I should go hunting to connect with nature and um, basically recharge your batteries. 
My answer to that question is um, what should determine a positive hunting experience? Me. No one else. I like That's much more succinct than what I no, put it. Like I am not gonna let anyone else change the way that I feel when I hunt because that is if I if the bow is in my hands and I have a legal tag and an ethical way of, of harvesting this animal, of killing this animal, no one is gonna change the way I feel. And that is I, in my opinion, I'm young and I'm new. I've only ever shot two deer, so who am I to say anything at all? But You're part of the community. You, you you have to don't, don't, take control of your own experience. Don't say it like that, Ian, or anybody else. Don't say, oh, I only have the... No, you're part of the community. My, you're my, you're, you're my, a hunter. My point is is that it's it's not just hunting. Like It's in everything in life. You have to take control of your own experiences to make it the most. And that's something I've, I've told you that I used to say to all these uh, school kids when I used to do speaking engagements. I said, repeat after me, I am responsible for my own happiness. Yep. Um, and I, the one thing I want to add at the end here is when we say hunting, I will also say hunting, fishing, trapping, all three, all three are the same. And we, we are all one, uh, brotherhood and sisterhood together. Outdoorsmen and outdoors women. Hunters, hunters, fishermen, and, and trappers. So on that. We're going to close it. Thank you for listening to us on Deer Talk Now. You can listen to any of these podcasts wherever podcasts are dropped. And also um, watch the video versions on Facebook, uh, YouTube, and Instagram. YouTube is uh, YouTube backslash DDH for deer and deer hunting. YouTube backslash DDH online. For For Ian Sanchez, I am Dan Schmidt. We will catch you next Thursday for another brand new episode of Deer Talk Now. Deer Talk Now is brought to you by 10 Point Crossbow Technologies. Whether I'm in a tree stand, ground blind, or spot and stalk hunting, I know the Nitro 505 is up to any challenge. Check one out at a dealer near you or log on to 10pointcrossbows.com for more information.